Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge. I'm your host Dom and I'm joined this week by the usual suspects, Toddy and Lewis. Hello. And the slightly more unusual suspect, uh, Aniron, is joining us as well this time around. (laughs) Uh, So we have a a busy week, slightly sad one. Uh, Since we last spoke to you all, LG confirmed the long suspected news that it was leaving the mobile phone industry. So we will have our little sort of in memoriam section at the end. Uh, as we break out our violins to commemorate <laughs> LG. We're going to talk about kind of um, what this means for the industry looking forward with LG ducking out, but also LG's history, some of its biggest innovations. There's a lot of kind of smartphone staples now that LG did first, which I think are worth running through and why they mattered in their time in the industry. But before that, we actually have some new phones to talk about. We have loads of new phones that all came today. Uh, first up, Lenovo launched the Legion Phone Dual 2, aka the Legion Phone Pro 2 if you're in China, um, uh, which is their new big silly gaming phone. It's even bigger and sillier than last year's one. It looks pretty mad. Uh, so Anara is going to run us through that before Lewis does his best to explain all six phones that Nokia (laughs) dropped in one go uh, during an event just half an hour ago. Uh, They have completely upended their phone lineup. They've changed their naming and their branding of the handsets. They've got a whole new system. Six phones to go along with it, plus headphones, and at least in the UK, their own new mobile network. Um, So it's been a big day for Nokia, and there's there's a lot to talk about there. First up, though, other little bits and pieces from the week that's gone. Uh, first up, today saw OnePlus announce a new phone, kind of. Uh, it dropped on its social media the OnePlus Nord LE, which stands for the literally only one edition. Uh, this is just a glorified competition, but it is kind of a fun one. They've created a new version of the Nord with a kind of green-orange gradient finish. Um, so it's a different color of the existing OnePlus Nord, basically. But they say they are literally making one of them. And there's a competition on their Instagram account for someone to win it and win the single OnePlus Nord LE. Um, it's a publicity stunt, but I quite like that as a fun fun way to do a competition for a phone. That's kind of cool. There's kudos there to having like the only one of its kind device. Also, there aren't enough orange phones nowadays, not since like the fluorescent Nokia 930, Lumia 930. You get so. the big orange leather ones occasionally. Oh, yeah. The Oppo. The, uh, Find X2 Pro. Yeah, and the, the Vivo X60 Pro Plus in China has an orange one, but they maybe smartly decided the rest of the world wouldn't <laughs> buy the orange leather. I don't know. Uh, but that's kind of cool. Uh, speaking of Oppo and Vivo, wow, that worked perfectly. Uh, there was a lot of foldable leaks this week, um, but one of the interesting ones was uh, through kind of display manufacturer channels, essentially. Uh, but word has come out that Oppo is working on not one, but two foldables to come out this year. Both inward folding, it seems like everyone's coalesced around the inward fold form factor now. Uh, But Oppo is working on two of them um, in different sizes. I think they're still both meant to be large Galaxy Fold style foldables rather than small flip slash razor style foldables. But we'll wait and see. Um, And Vivo is also working on one foldable. Um, Again, also inward folding, expected to be around the size of... The Galaxy Fold or the, you know, the Nijami Mi Mix Fold or the Huawei Mate X, etc, etc. Uh, Google 
uh, word has come out this week, this is actually very interesting, that the Pixel 6 might not run a Qualcomm Snapdragon chipset, which is really weird. So the Pixel 5 made news last year when they went with the 765G chipset rather than the 865. So they decided not to use the flagship chip in their flagship phone. Apparently this year they're just dropping Qualcomm altogether and this the Pixel 6 may see the introduction of Google's own custom silicon made together with uh, Samsung. So apparently you'll have some of the DNA of the Exynos chips, which, you know, depending on your outlook, may not seem like a very good thing, but we'll see what we actually get at the end of it all. Uh, all we know is that the chip is codenamed Whitechapel. I'm not sure why. That's like a kind of rundown district <laughs> in East London, most famous for Jack the Ripper. Um, a lot of good kebabs there at the moment. Um, I, I like Whitechapel. I don't really know how it how it made its way into the name of Google's first custom phone chip. But... Um, yeah, but we'll see. If that is true, that is quite a big shakeup for the industry and yet another kind of loosening of Qualcomm's previously pretty iron grip on the on the chipset industry, but it's definitely shaken at the moment. Uh, Google had a worse time this week on the headphones front when it managed to leak its own product. Uh, it's been kind of expected for a while that we're getting another generation of Pixel Buds. They're probably going to turn up alongside the Pixel 5a. Uh, we think they're going to be called the Pixel Buds A. I I think maybe a sort of slightly cheaper run on them. Um, and then Google sent out a newsletter a few days ago with images of a few of its products, including images of a pair of Pixel Buds that come in a color that you cannot buy Pixel Buds right now, with uh, a colored case that you cannot buy Pixel Buds in right now, and with a slightly <laughs> different finish that, guess what, you cannot buy Pixel Buds in right now. Um, it looks, to all intents and purposes, like someone internally grabbed the wrong Google Pixel Buds image and threw an unreleased product into their mailer on, you know, the latest stuff in the Google store. So um, really daft. <laughs> and then finally, uh, not, not, not a leak, actually intentionally teased. Uh, we spoke last week that Sony's announced an Xperia event for next week, and they've actually put out a couple of teaser videos that confirm quite a lot of the leaks we've, we've seen so far. Basically, sort of, you know, little slow-mo glimpses of the phones, but suggests that once again we're not seeing a radical design shift these are going to look the we're expecting the xperia 1 3 and 10 3 um they're going to look a lot like last year's phones um it looks like we're getting a triple camera module which again was no great surprise um eagle eye people have spotted that it does look like one of those is a periscope lens which again has been kind of rumored and teased a fair bit but yeah, all those kind of stars seem to be lining up. We are finding out uh, next week on the 14th. I want to say Wednesday. Yeah, that is Wednesday. So on the show next week, we'll be able to actually talk about those new Sony phones and see what they are. But um, yeah, I'm excited for more Sonys. Right, so onto phones that actually exist and we actually can talk about. The <laughs> Lenovo Legion Phone Dual 2. Um, which is such a, a messy name. It really bothers me that even on their very first gaming phone, they went Lenovo Legion Phone Dual. Um, and it's just going to get worse from here, especially, you know, inevitably once we start getting like a pro variant next year <laughs> and, and things like that. Uh, and Nyron, you have all the details on this. So this is Lenovo's big gaming phone. It's their second generation. Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like the first generation in some respects, which means it's weird uh the rear cameras are in the center of the phone there's a side mounted pop-up selfie camera um it's basically all geared around holding it horizontally right yeah so that's what i mean so obviously they're very much pitching it at gamers so they want um they're thinking most gamers 
it's very few kind of high end these kind of graphic intensive tiles are going to be played in portrait mm. so they've kind of geared the phone all around um landscape um horizontal usage so like you say the big thing there is the pop-up selfie camera which is 44 megapixel samsung sensor and it's got like wow. an eight yeah so they're, they're really kind of priority because what they're yeah. how they pitched it in the briefing was kind of that it's going to be used for people who want to like stream directly from their phone mm. you're going to stream on twitch or whatever um so they're going to want that a high quality sensor obviously we know that megapixel count doesn't always guarantee that um, no. but uh yeah so it's got like an 84 it's, it's like a wide angle lens an 84 um degree field of degree, view yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it looks interesting, and I kind of like. Obviously, we've seen we've seen a few pop up selfie cameras come like out of the top of the phone to like create this bezelless design. But I, um, I kind of quite like this that it's kind of focusing on um, being able to get more in the shot and just kind of um, hopefully because quality the quality of selfies um, and kind of being able to stream. At, I think I think that that camera is capable of um, of streaming at four K. So to be able to do that in a selfie camera yeah. is relatively rare as you say I, everything I mean, yeah sorry I'd, I'd say i think one of the saddest little things we've seen in the phone industry over the last year or so and i know a lot of people disagree with me on this but i lament the fact that pop-up cameras came and went mm. and I, mm. I wish they'd stuck around because actually some of my favorite friends have been the ones where you get the actual full screen experience and then a selfie camera that pops up it means they can make the selfie cameras bigger and better because they're not trying to fit around the punch hole which has been one of the things that limits selfie like quality over the last few years you get bigger, better screens. Um, and I don't use my selfie camera a lot, so pop-ups make sense. Um, and then this is you know, absolutely not for me. I don't game a lot on my phone, mm. so I'm not using it landscape very often. So this would make zero sense for me. Mm. But I, I think it's so smart for people who do game a lot. I can mm. totally see the appeal of this, and I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen anyone ape it in the past year. And I still expect we will see people copy it going forwards. Because mm. I think the idea that the Novo is having here is that they're going to put all the components, like all the CPU and GPU and anything that could, um, all the all the main components in the middle of the phone, and then so then they've got the dual mm. name is kind of referring to the two the dual bat two batteries. So they've got they're both yep. two thousand seven hundred fifty milliamp hours, which is five thousand five hundred in total across the two. And then there's separate USB C charging ports for both of them. Yeah. So the idea same is that you, yeah the same as last year. So the idea is that you plug them both in at the same time, and that that will get you. Uh, to 90 watts fast charging, which they say will do a full charge in half an hour, mm. uh, which is great. But obviously, they don't include; they're not going to include that 90 watt adapter in the box. Um, but yeah, that, that, that sounds quite promising, and I, I understand. And I think I think the, uh, they were claiming the battery will get you um, eight hours of intermittent gaming on a single charge. But <laughs> whatever that means, <laughs> whatever that means, yes. <laughs> Presumably, uh, battery life is not going to be helped by the decision to throw in two fans this time. Yeah, so, so they've added a, a separate fan, and they've got kind of this like really aggressive vapor cooling system, so they're like desperate for uh -huh. it never to overheat. <laughs> and that's kind of part of the idea of the two batteries, because obviously a lot, if you have, um, yeah, like having the two batteries would mean that where you're holding your hands, neither it'll never be hot to the touch i think i think that's yep. the idea um that's the pitch i mean yeah I, I never actually got to try the first legion so i don't know how how well it pulled off the trick mm. neither before, do i but i but... yeah i kind of um because i've tested phones like the, some of the red magic phones who have had a built-in fan and it's been it's been pretty effective the one thing that 
I was impressed by was that a lot a lot of the fans can start running really loudly and kind of distracting from the gaming experience. But they've said it's going to be at its maximum of twenty seven decibels, which sounds kind of promising because they're trying to create this whole immersive gaming experience. Um, but yeah, like so the display is one of the biggest the biggest area that's been upgraded. So that's now a six point nine two inch AMOLED. <laughs> it's, it's worth dwelling on. That is huge. That is <laughs> so yeah, massive. So it was it was six point six last year. Um, yeah. it's still so that's bigger than the the ultras, right? If I'm not yeah. mistaken, that's bigger it's than the S twenty one Ultra and the and the and certainly bigger than the Xiaomi Ultra. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be one of the biggest phones around yeah. now. Um, it's yeah, so, so it's, it's it's still 144 hertz, um, still, still at full HD, kind of to balance that battery life thing, which um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. obviously um, since, since sorry since uh, since uh, the original, obviously the Red Magic Six comes out, which has bumped that up to 165 hertz. So it's not got that kind of class leading refresh rate. But yeah. I mean, I've been testing the Red Magic, and it's very kind of marginal gains. I wouldn't. It's so hard to tell the difference. We've had this conversation before. I mean, most phones aren't most phone games aren't taking advantage of 120 hertz yet, let alone 140, mm-hmm. let alone 165. So you know, it's a great thing to say on the tick on the phone box that you've got the highest refresh rate mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think in yeah day to day use, it's not going to matter for most people. Is it 144 is already overkill. So um, it's the same as like the question of like you know. Oh well, the the ROG Phone Five has eighteen gigs of RAM, and this one only goes up to sixteen. Um, you know, it's like well, sixteen's already more RAM than you need. Like <laughs> you're not going to notice any difference between the sixteen here and the eighteen in, in the competitor. Um, I don't know whether I can say it's. I think I prefer the design over last year's model. I don't know whether it's more tasteful, but it's I think better because they've gone sort of more utilitarian. Like it looks obviously I haven't held it, but. With the, the fan module in the middle with the cameras and stuff. They still have the RGB, but it looks a little bit less crazy. Mm. Um, they have these like funny like glass pattern effects on last year's model, which doesn't appear to be there this year. And instead, it almost looks like they're two grips for your palms. Yeah. Like those two kind of just segments, I presume, where the batteries also live. Yeah, that's right. So I think I prefer the design of this one, both aesthetically and the fact that they've just made it more utilitarian, but still kept the RGB and stuff like that. I agree. I do want to ask on the design. I mean, I think I know the answer, but on the back, it looks kind of like the bit in the middle is a display like we saw in the ROG Phone 5. Yeah, but it it's does. not right. It's just an RGB no. lighting section. Yeah, um, so that's it. That was just yeah. an RGB lighting. They didn't actually, I think it was one of the questions at the end of the briefing that someone asked, is there actually RGB lighting? Because they didn't They didn't kind of draw attention to it, I guess, because mm. there are other phones that have got this kind of mini display. Um but yeah, so obviously they've put a lot of emphasis on the front cameras. There's there's two rear cameras as part of that kind of central module. Uh, I think it's a, it's a 64 megapixel main sensor and then a 16 ultra wide. Mm-hmm. Cameras are never kind of a real priority in gaming phones, but something that's able to take a decent shot. Um, what, what I will say is that does create a huge camera bump. So it's really kind of, it's one of the most noticeable things. But if you lay it down on the table, it's absolutely huge really we need to side by side with the mi 11 ultra mm. <laughs> I mean. i've seen some comparisons <laughs> to that it's yeah. like, um, i mean the phone as a whole looks just enormous beastly yeah just again you know as we said it's a, it's a huge display but you know it looks thick it looks heavy did they give you any actual like dimensions on it or have they kept that to themselves for now i think they did they gave a detail i don't have the figure to hand but they did give a really 
made like a very detailed spec sheet. Yeah, right. Included that. I've got here. I've got nine point nine millimeters thick, so it's near enough a centimeter thick. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is pretty heavy duty. I don't know when the last time was we saw a phone that actually was like at the centimeter mark. The only one I can think of is that ridiculous Duracell phone that never saw the light. Oh, of day. Yeah. yeah, the, <laughs> the <laughs> that ones that like just battery. power banks with a phone strapped yeah. to the side of it. Yeah, um, I guess with all this stuff, it depends where you measure it as well because I, I'm. Sh- I suspect the the Mi 11 Ultra would be a centimeter at the camera Probably. module. Mm-hmm. Just um, yeah. that's not where they measure it because that one's eight nine millimeters, you know, for the body. But there's you know, at least another two millimeters from the camera module, so that will break the centimeter mark there. But yeah, um, big, yeah big well, one phone. one thing I was thinking about is that um, so on the software side, how well optimized it will be kind of for this horizontal game because obviously a lot of phones are designed using portrait um so it, it comes with like the lovo's own like skin over androids i think it's zui um but in a lot of the screenshots and a lot of the kind of detail about it, it seems still very kind of typical um portrait mode so i want i i will be interested to see if there's if it feels like it's genuinely been designed with so this using kind of all the time yeah, yeah or whether you know because it often feels like like using a landscape mode is a bit of an afterthought on a lot of phones it doesn't really mm. feel like it's yep. well suited for it no totally android doesn't in general play with landscape mm. especially well um it never has really but i i can't imagine that will really change here and i, I to be fair i don't think many users would stick with landscape when they're not gaming mm, i guess true. the york winners is that question of even if you, you're a gamer and you stream and you buy this so that you can stream yourself while you're playing, you still will other, other times just want to have a video chat with your friends. And at that point, you've got to hold the phone in, <laughs> in horizontally mm. to have that video call with your friends and, and your family or whatever. And if you're trying to multi, you know, at that point, you're just like committed to that. You're committed to doing any multitasking, also still in landscape mode and mm, all that kind yeah, of stuff. And it would be tricky. at that point, it's like, does that get annoying uh, or does that work pretty well? In terms of that high-res front camera as well, I wonder whether it's like um, it just inherently supports 4K resolution where where you know the recipient device can show 4K content, or whether it's like app optimized so they'd have to like talk to developers to make sure it's implemented in the right way. Like mm. if you can stream on Twitch with a front camera using that phone, what resolution is that being like brought down to? Yeah, be interesting to know some mm, of that. Yeah. Definitely. finer details if they're really going for this market mm, as aggressively as they are um, yeah, so i do remember with the first one there was talk about sort of compatibility with apps and services being built up and again we never saw the first one so i'm not sure how well they mm. pulled that off and and how much better they're doing now uh, it is telling i think that they do go for a global launch and I, i'm kind of su- impressed and surprised by that because lenovo is a chinese company and they pretty much gave up on all their other phones globally. And I think no one would have been too shocked if the Legion phones had just been China-only handsets. Yeah. Um, I think it is telling that they are pushing them worldwide. And they, they released it worldwide last year, and they're releasing it worldwide this year. Um, and if you're going to do that, you've got to be pushing... You know, you can't just be pushing in the Chinese gaming ecosystem mm. to make those deals and those partnerships, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah we'll I'm just... surprised it got a sequel, though, nonetheless. I'm a little surprised, but I guess, I mean, we'll talk about people leaving the phone industry before, but <laughs> Lenovo was probably at a point where it, you know, kind of just had to decide whether to 
stop doing phones, or at least in terms of its global position, whether to bother putting them out or whether to double down and, and keep going and push ahead. And I suppose once you put all the R&D into building this weird one-of-a-kind phone, yeah, you know, you might as well do another one. Mm. Um, and was, they did you know, get a lot of kudos last year. I think people liked the first one a lot. Yeah, I would just say, like, because we've seen so many, we've seen, like, just in the last month, we've seen, like, the Roger Phone 5, Red Magic, mm. the uh, Black Shark. So there's kind of, there is kind of a big gaming, even though maybe it's kind of targeted towards Chinese customers. It's, there is still kind of a big market there. Just just on pricing, where this fits in. So it starts at, we have 699 for 12 gigs of RAM and 256 storage. And then it goes up to 899 for the uh, mm-hmm. 16, 5, 12. So that's kind of pitched slightly below the Roger Phone 5, but kind of, kind of in that area of kind of premium high-end gaming space. It's um, definitely pricier than the Red Magics. Or, yes, absolutely. Or, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't have... It's lower than I was expecting. Hmm. That's what I mean. I thought they, they definitely had the potential with with the kind of high-end specs that we're talking. They had the potential to push it kind of closer to kind of proper, true flagship territory. Mm, um, yeah. But uh, obviously, it really, it really still, even though there aren't a huge amount of changes, it really does stand out instantly. doesn't really look like anything else on the market. There's kind of a lot of unique selling points, even if a few of them might be a little gimmicky or not appeal, have mass appeal. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where I'm, I'm curious if they have the the guts and the budget to stick it out because hmm. I think these are like just a bit ahead of their time. And hmm. that, that pitch of stream from your phone while gaming on your phone and a camera setup built for that is fantastic. And it totally makes sense. And that's absolutely going to be what happens more and more. But it's not what we're at just yet and the infrastructure around it just isn't there quite yet as far as i'm aware and it's not easy to do and and i feel like there will be a point where more and more streamers are playing mobile games and want to stream from the same device and be able to do that on the go with one complete setup in their phone and that kind of thing but it just feels like it's a vanishingly niche prospect right now uh and they just need people like twitch to be throwing money Mm. at it as well for it to take off I'm I'm gonna throw out a prediction that the the zenith of the gaming phone concept won't fully be realized till cloud gaming is yeah. mate is like commonplace. Because okay? mm-hmm. then you don't need to worry about having necessarily the top end processor so long as you still have the high refresh rate, high response rate display and the good cameras. Yep. Then you can make the phones cheaper, you sell them with a subscription to Stadia or whatever, GeForce Now, whatever, when mm-hmm. those are yeah. And obviously they have to have 5G. Yeah. But that's when I think gaming phones will actually become a category that a lot more people actually consider. And then the maybe. challenge there for this model is you then are doubling up your bandwidth constraints because if the pitch is you're streaming <laughs> as well, oh, yeah. you're trying to yeah. stream the game while also streaming your own video feed out. And suddenly it's like, even with 5G, you know, that that's puts this extra strain on things. That So it both helps and hurts Lenovo's Legion Legion pitch, mm. I guess. Roll on six I suppose. On that in the next <laughs> section, yeah, is the point I'll come to. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So the, it's coming to Europe in the UK in May sometime. Right. Is that right? Yeah. So it's still a few weeks off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this looks interesting, and um, we will see the ROG phone launch officially between now and then. I know it's launched, but it goes on sale again in a couple of weeks. Um, and I'm curious to see how these two actually stack up head to head. Moving on. 
let's turn to all things Nokia, of which there are so, so many things, Nokia. <laughs> so many things. Uh, so many I things. I wonder why there are so many things, but okay. <laughs> yeah, so Nokia held an event today, and I, I mean, to be fair, we hadn't heard a lot from Nokia in a while, and I had wondered why we hadn't seen any announcements, and there was nothing around February when they would normally do a slate of MWC phones and stuff like that, and I did wonder why the radio silence, and, and I guess we have our answer, which is that... They wanted to have a whole suite of phones ready to go all at once with a new naming convention that they could roll out together. Um, so for the unfamiliar, over the last few years, Nokia, as run by HMD, has pushed out phones with sort of naming and decimal point numbers. So, you know, you got the Nokia 2, then the Nokia 2.1 was the refreshed version of that. And then it was the Nokia 2.2, the Nokia 2.3. And then, you know, if the tier above that was the Nokia 3, which got followed up by the 3.1 and so on. And they went up to nine. They didn't actually hit every number along the way and different gens, they skipped some decimal points and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the model. Now it's being replaced with a letter and number system, which I think Lewis prefers. I actually like Nokia's naming convention. And I think mm. that might be, I might be an oddity in that. So I'm a little more skeptical about this, but now it's letter ranges. So if I've got this the right way around, the cheapest phones will be C. Yep. The next tier up is G. Yep. And the next tier up is X. Got it in one. And then it's like C10, C20, mm -hmm. G10, G20, X10, X20. And that's everything so they've like, announced so far. It's like a melding of the revamped Motorola, Moto G branding and Samsung's. Yes. Yeah. And I, well. I assume yeah. they're going to follow Samsung's lead. And so then next year we'll get the X21, which will be the follow up to the X20. I think I'm they've also out, got other things planned for each range. It to be. <laughs> yeah, no, the plan is um, that they've got other ones for each range in, in the pipeline, and they're going to go up in increments of 10. So I feel like you'll be right there. So next year will be the, okay. the 21 and then the 22 for that specific model. And then, I mean, who knows if they'll do more ranges as well, because, I mean, we'll yeah. get to this, but right now X is the top tier. Mm -hmm. But the most expensive phone in that right now is £320 in the UK, <laughs> which is still pretty you know, budget mid-range kind of space. Yeah. Maybe that means they've recognized that they just can't win in the flagship space and they're going to be sticking to this territory. Or maybe they're saving space for the the Y series or the Z series or whatever that's going to roll up and be around the sort of 500, 600 mark. Um, I don't think Nokia is going to put any like phones that cost a grand out no. for a long time. No I don't, way. You know, that's not their business model right now on fair play. But... Uh Lewis, do you have any insight, just seeing Alex's question in the comments, on why they picked those specific letters? Do uh, we have any idea as to not why they would say those? anything about that whatsoever? They were just really proud that they'd actually rebranded themselves. <laughs> uh, G, okay. G, because that's what Motorola uses, and so yeah. it immediately puts the customer's mind in the same sort of space. C for yeah. cheap. C for cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, X for extreme. Exactly. X is cool. <laughs> it's the cool letter. Everyone knows that. I mean, those are their cool phones. Until, again, they release the range up, and those are even cooler, and they have to figure out why, like, you know, those are, like, the Z or the Y. They have but... said that these free, free ranges are their focus for now, because there was questions about an, a, a pure okay. view follow-up in the briefing, and they were like, mm, no, we're, we're focusing on these. <laughs> Everyone's hanging on to the pure view. Then um... Let's note as well that they still haven't... Um, they're still screwed by that James Bond partnership they did, where oh, they have prominently had several phones in no time for uh... Dr. Die. And that film still hasn't come out. And so the now those are five G is yeah. the Bond phone. <laughs> now they've completely like rebranded the whole structure. They're not even doing a replacement. I mean, who knows what they're going to do with that? Uh, um, so I, I mean, I guess I've already given the like the real cliff notes summary. But 
Lewis, maybe we could run through these ranges in turn and I guess kind of what price points they're hitting for sure. each and how competitive they seem for those price points, I suppose, is the way of looking at it. All right, so let's start at the beginning. And I think that this is actually where it's most interesting um, because these start at €75. Euros. Uh, in the UK, that's 79.99 because we're only getting the C20. So there's the C10 and the C20. The C10 is the cheaper yep. one, and then you've got a slightly more premium one, the C20. So yeah, we're getting the 20. The reason we're not getting the C10 is because it's 3G, and nobody really cares about 3G wow. here anymore. You're yeah. kind of fun, Collie. You love 3G. <laughs> love 3G. I mean, I'm, big, I'm the biggest proponent of 3G in the office, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the C20 offers the upgrade to 4G, so that's that's the one that's coming to the UK market. Um, Who needs 4G? That's so too fancy for us. 4G? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I mean... Uh, the big, the the biggest surprise is that you're getting kind of a three thousand milliamp hour battery, a six point five inch. H, it's HD plus rather than full HD plus, which you have to point out. But yep, okay. You know, it's it's sub a hundred pounds, and you're getting a pretty decent display. You know, it's it's not gonna you're gonna notice the difference if you're coming from something like an iPhone. But these phones are designed for people that haven't had a smartphone before. They're coming from literal feature phones, and this is yep. their first smartphone. Um, <clears throat> it's only got one gigabyte. Because it's just worth saying that these these are priced similarly to where nokia prices some of its feature phones yeah like this is kind of at the same price as the upper end of the feature phone pricing yeah. they also do really cheap feature phones but you know those kind of like 3310 you know the nostalgia trip feature phones they put out those all cost the same as these c phones pretty much yeah exactly um so yeah i mean you've got one gigabyte of ram on offer which is obviously not great uh, but they do, <laughs> but they run Android 11 Go, which is tailored to kind of um, yeah. phones with with basically no RAM. So, I mean, obviously, I haven't actually had a chance to use it because we've been briefed online, so I haven't got a clue how they actually run in real life. I'm not expecting anything amazing, but if it can access WhatsApp, then I'm sure that's that's kind of the only thing the, the people that are buying this phone are really going to care about. And that's basically it. It'll it'll from using those. Um really budget sub 100 nokia phones before running android go and stuff it's just like it it will just about do those things you want to yeah. do it will open google maps it will open whatsapp it will open twitter it will do those things quite slowly <laughs> <laughs> it will aggravate you along the way but like it will get there uh, and if that's your budget and if you know you don't use your phone a lot um or you don't need it to be fast or whatever then mm -hmm. you know they get the job done just about yeah exactly and that, that that's kind of yeah, that's the job. I mean, for people wanting anything more fancy, the the next stop up is the G range. Um, and even though it's only it's the next one up, it, they start at 110. So there's not really a lot of difference between them mm. in terms of price. Uh, so you're getting that same 6.5 inch uh, display, HD plus again, as the C range. Um, uh, but you've got a MediaTek G35, uh, G35 with up to four gig of RAM available this time. So, you know, more RAM to play with is standard Android and you get two years of security updates and stuff like that. So it's all good on the software front. Um, yeah, and, and kind of looking at the images, it's just, you know, it's basically the exact same design as the C range, but with slightly slimmer bezels and a different finish on the back. The key thing about the G range is the battery life because they're not just calling this a multi-day battery life phone range. They're, they're saying specifically that the G10 and the G20 can last three days on a charge. Mm. Uh, and they've got a 5,050 milliamp hour battery. Uh, I mean, there are phones that have bigger batteries than that, but paired with a, a, just a standard HD display, I feel like there's mm. the potential there. Because I, I did use the 5.4, which also has a HD plus display. And a, a, I think it was like a 3,000 milliamp battery, and that got close to two days in my use. Yeah. 
So I feel like they're they're on the mark um, with that kind of thing. Uh, and then yeah, it's um, you've got an upgraded camera offering on the back. You've got a 13 megapixel main up from the five megapixel. I should say there's five megapixels on the C range. You've got a 13 megapixel rear on the G range, which yeah, it's a slight bump. But I'm not expecting anything too amazing. There's no kind of partnership or anything like that with anyone. So it's just going to be pretty limited. Yeah, it's just point and shoot. Um, I mean, there are more lenses on the back, but one's a depth sensor, so you don't really care. And the other one's a macro, so you don't really care about that either. So, <laughs> so there's one camera on the back that you really care about. <laughs> and then you've got an 8 megapixel like, on the front. If you look at any of the, the previous generations of, you know, any of Nokia's affordable phones, like the fundamental issue is that they always feel underpowered. Yes. And I know that they are trying to hit a really conservative price point, of course, mm -hmm. but... I would much rather that they didn't bother putting a depth sensor in on that second tier. Didn't bother like even no. like I'd take a, a four thousand milliampere battery, um, just so I could have extra RAM or yeah. a little bit better chip. Yeah, but I think that's just the the breaking point beyond anything else in those phones. You I only need say... one camera lens on the back because you're not going to use those cameras for no. anything yeah. other than yeah. really basic. I want to take a shot to show someone where I am. Like these are fundamentally yeah. not even going to be good enough for like Instagramming for most people. No. Like, but it's more just like if you don't care about that, if you just want to be able to take a couple of quick holiday snaps, show something funny you just saw and send it to a friend on WhatsApp, like they'll do that. You only need one lens for that. Yeah. You do not need these other ones. Like, yeah. They cannot even take good shots with them. So, so they are like wasting space. If you yeah. do want something slightly more impressive, the G20 does, uh, one of the main differences between the G10 and the G20 is that main camera. So the G20 has an upgraded 48 megapixel um, and the aperture of 1.79, which isn't too bad for low light. Um, yeah. That might be okay. Promising. Yeah, so that one seems a lot more promising than the uh, the G10, but obviously we haven't seen it, so we can't say for sure. And then that's paired the with the same... Say... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry, you finished. Yeah. I'll say it's that's paired with an ultra wide. Um, it's only a five megapixel ultra wide, if I remember correctly. So, not great. Same kind And of then the depth sensor and the macro sensor from the other one. Um, the the thing to note on on these ones so far, the C and the G, is that they actually don't have a lot of competition, because yeah. even when we we talk about all the, like the cheap Chinese, um, you know, the the brands like Realme, um, and and Xiaomi that push very aggressively priced cheap handsets out. Actually, even they for Western pricing don't tend to go to this kind of circa one hundred pounds price point no. in the phones that they put out in the West. Um, they tend to kind of go as low as two hundred, a little bit below that. Um, so it is kind of funny. There are some very cheap Motorola's. Um, actually, some of the Vivo European phones go this cheap, um, but that's kind of it. There's not a lot in this space, and. That, as Toddy said, you know, these are always going to be seriously underpowered. And I think the line I always take with these is kind of like, if this is your budget, if your budget is £100 and not a penny more, fine, buy one of these and be fine. But if you can just find 50 quid, you'll get a huge boost. And oh, yeah. it will always yeah. be yeah, worth it. And maybe you can't find 50 quid and that's fine. That's how it is for people. But like, if you can, do. Um, but the funny thing is, these look kind of underperforming, but no one else is putting anything else out at that price point. So... These might be the best phones around at eighty pounds, one hundred and ten pounds, because I don't know what else you would buy at that price other than just a two-year-old phone that's dropped in price. You know, a quick look on on Xiaomi's uh, site: the Redmi Nine is currently on sale for eighty-nine pounds, <laughs> so okay. it down from one hundred and forty, one hundred and fifty. So, so that's the space you get. It is yeah, buy last year's phone, last year's budget phone for less will be the competition mm -hmm. there. Um, and to be fair, maybe that's the better buy. 
I think it gets um, it gets a little bit harder to justify when it gets to the X range because even though there's a slight jump between between the C and the G, uh, the X range starts at 250 quid, so that's basically double the G range. Um, I've got to say, I I read your article, Lewis, and I I you know read all the specs and everything, mm-hmm. and my jaw dropped when I hit the price because <laughs> like. Yeah, what I know that much. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> the that phone. <laughs> so, so the value gets qu- quickly worse as, yeah. it, as it goes up. The I think you're paying okay. for the uh, the Zeiss branding <laughs> on the uh, on the yeah on the X range. So yeah, the X10 and the X20 have, have Zeiss Zeiss partnerships. Same as some of the old Nokia phones from from yesteryear, and just like the phones, the older ones, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, I mean, you've got a few Leica, um, sorry, not Leica, uh, Zeiss branded features. So you've got, when you're doing a portrait mode, um, you can change the shape of lights in the background. So you can have them as hearts or stars or swirls Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, But I mean, me personally, I can never find any lighting situations where that works anyway. It's just me taking a selfie of a blurred background. That's that's all I want. Um, But each to their own. Um, So let me just let me just hammer in a little bit on these camera specs. So you've got the X10, which is basically the same camera setup as the G20. It's got that 48 megapixel um, f1.8 snapper. And then you've got the ultra wide and you've got the the, uh, macro. And then you've got the depth sensor. But it's just... Uh, Zeiss branded this time so you get that software on top you get the, the color grading available in the app and stuff like that um, did they that, like, say the that Zeiss yeah I think that was basically the same question did they say any, like any anything specific Zeiss brought that makes the difference here or no. just it's just it's, it's Zeiss there. it's the same because I think because they've yeah. done they've done it for so many years at this point they did they don't really want to go into it too much and sure. if they did they'd you'd probably realize that there's not much they do um, but anyway right so so yeah so the X10 has that 48 megapixel, uh, so basically the same offering as the uh, the G20. Um, and then you do, I mean, you do get other upgrades on offer. So you've got the Snapdragon 480. So we're finally, I mean, it's still bad compared to the price, uh, to compared to what other offers, uh, offer, uh, others offer at the same price. There we go, mm. got there at the end. Uh, and it's got 5G, so that's the only, the X is the only one in the Nokia connection okay. that has 5G. I was about to say, that's that's the important thing there, yeah. is the 480 is, is the, the the full series Snapdragon that brings 5G to the table. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if this is the first phone that's run it, but it's one of very few. Oh, nice. We haven't seen... 480, yeah. yeah. I, they only announced it a month or two ago, and I can't think of any other phone that's actually using it yet, but, um, I'm, but yeah. I feel like something would have been announced that I just yeah. missed. But... Oh, that's good, though. Um, so yeah, so you've got that on offer um, alongside. You've got a larger six point six seven inch display, and it is full HD plus this time, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you know, the entire Nokia ranges are all capped at sixty hertz, and I think that's a bit of a wet blanket at this kind of yeah. at this price at this point. Uh, when you can get phones that are literally 100, 150 quid that have at least ninety hertz, why are you not putting on a phone that costs three hundred quid? Um, well, that's what we're oh. getting. It's 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 a three hundred pound device that's. 60 hertz mm-hmm. and uses a four series chipset mm-hmm. um i just you know you can get an eight series chipset in with 120 hertz in the new poco x3 pro for two-thirds of the price yeah <laughs> That's yeah madness. and it will be the same it will take the same size like you know the poco is kind of bulky and it's not that attractive but nokia is not that much smaller there is there is a um, there is an argument against that, which I will get to once I get to, I just want to outline the X20, then I'm going to get into why the X sure. range is different to kind of the the Chinese competition, if you were. Uh, so, right, mm-hmm. 
yeah, so the X10, you've got 5G, you've got uh, the Snapdragon 480 with either four or six gigabytes of RAM and up to 128 gig of storage. The X20 is basically the same in terms of spec, but you've got an upgraded 64 meg camera on the rear in place of the 48 megapixel. Um, and yeah, again, it's it's Zeiss Optics, uh, so you've got all that fun stuff there. And you can also do, on the X20, you can do a bothy. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, uh, and you can choose, you can shoot from any of the, so before I think you had to have both. Uh, so if you wanted to do both on the back, you had to choose, uh, so if you wanted to do both, you had to choose them both from the same side or something they're explaining in the keynote, I don't know. But basically now you can choose any camera and record from both of them. I, right, it's, okay. it's definitely not the first phone that can do this. Like I remember, I think I had the Galaxy S8 or S7 that could do the exact yeah. same thing. Oh, well, well, even the term bothy was Nokia's invention. Um, ah. I don't know if they were the first to Those introduce the concept. Yeah, they did. They were the don't. first to introduce the term a few years ago. Both these. So um, the Nokia was it? So eight yeah. or nine. Yeah. Seven. So they, they've 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 been pushing both these for a while. But, um, so yeah, they've just they've upgraded it. So it's a little bit better now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, the point of this is is that <clears throat> like you were saying, the hardware isn't that sexy compared to what you'll get from other manufacturers. Um, and yeah, that's evident just about every every area of the phone. But what you will not get from basically anybody else is, so you've got uh, an upgraded, you've got three full Android software updates coming. So you've got 12, 13, and 14 on the X20. Is it still on so the cheap it... ones as well? Sorry? Or just the X? This is just the X range. Yeah, yeah, this is just the X right. range. Um, so you've got, yeah, you've got three full off, uh, software updates, and you've also got an extended three-year warranty Uh in in most countries it obviously mm. depends on the country and whatever but they're they, they're kind of pushing this so that basically you're getting um that that kind of safety in terms of software because you've got the, op, the software updates and then you've also got the protection from the hardware perspective with the extended warranty if anything goes wrong in those three years you can send it back and that's definitely not something you can say about most of the cheap phones especially when it comes to software updates i find you get what you're given and, and that's kind of it yeah, I think that's very fair. We'll talk about software updates again a bit later with LG, actually, hmm. funnily enough. But um, yeah, we're seeing more and more brands try and lay down the line on what they will and won't offer. But it is always the turning thing, even if, say, you saw that news a few weeks ago that Samsung is going to give four years of security updates. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the small print was like on the flagships. Uh, and it's very often that it's when you get to the budget devices that they even the big brands just do not bother at yeah. all um you know we saw oneplus normally very good about pushing updates for its phone when it did the n10 and n100 it gave them each one update to android 11 and said that's it we're done no we're not touching these phones again um no no you know no os updates again so nokia making that commitment on the x on the x ones is good um and i think they said two years of updates yeah on the cheaper ones for the g right? series yeah yeah um, and there is something to that. You're getting, you know, and I don't think, I'm not sure if you said, but you are getting stock Android yes. as a software experience, which is a big appeal for a lot of people. And this longevity, um, I guess it depends what you are looking for in buying a budget phone. You know, are you kind of taking the view that this is cheap so I can buy it and I can replace it in a year or two, in which case, boo, don't do that. It's terrible for the environment. But I appreciate <laughs> that will be the way a lot of people look at this. Um, or are you in that position where you're like, you know, if your budget's tight, you're like, I just want to be able to buy one phone and have that phone last me for as long as it possibly can. So I don't have to find the money for a phone again yeah. anytime soon. And yeah, 
this will do better. That's the kind of angle Nokia has taken. They've also ditched the, um, they followed everyone else and ditched the power brick in the box in most uh, countries as well. But in, in, in its place, they're putting in a biodegradable, 100% biodegradable case. Huh. Uh, so you once, that. yeah. Nice. So, mm. Decent trade. Yeah, yeah, why not? What charging cables do these phones use? Yeah, they're USB-C. Uh, USB-C the on the X range, uh, micro USB on the, old, on, the, on the cheaper ones. Yeah. And you've got 18 watt fast charge on the X range. Which, yeah. yeah, not too bad. Same as the iPhones. Um, to that um, point about the kind of uh, replaceability of the phones and the lo- like, the longevity of the phones, I think you know you were talking about it, Don, from from the consumer's perspective. I think the reason most companies don't typically do this, and we're seeing that shift over twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, that they are kind of all kind of committing to better mm-hmm. software support in the long term. But it's just because it is bad for business in terms of. They're probably not making enough money on the initial sale of these really budget devices to warrant the cost of keeping the software up to date mm-hmm. for yep. two or three years down the line, and that's why other companies don't do it. So it's it's commendable mm. uh, from like you know a green perspective for Nokia to do this, okay. but it's you know it's such an unsexy thing to talk about, <laughs> and it's not something that most companies really bother selling. There is also um, a caveat, which is. <laughs> You can improve the software over time, but you cannot improve the hardware over time. No. And you're going to be, you know, pushing out more complex OS updates as time goes on. And it's like if these phones are sluggish on day one, that's not going to get better. Like, <laughs> yeah, giving exactly. it an OS update is not going to make it run faster. No. It's yeah. probably going to make it run slower. If you're lucky, it'll stay the same. And Which so, comes yes, back it's... to my point, they should spend more upfront on the yes. processor and the oh, RAM yeah. than yeah, adding in the depth camera. Or exactly. Whatever. Like three years of updates. Great. But I mean, will the Snapdragon 480 still be functional in three years? <laughs> like, I don't know. We, I mean, we haven't, we obviously haven't tested that, but like these four series chips are very, very slow. Mm-hmm. And yes, it will, you know, you, you, it will get the user experience will keep degrading over time. Yeah. Um, that, you know, and this is just, you know, the challenge with budget phones is always the way. So I don't want to, you know, drag Nokia too much for it. And I do think it is good to offer the long-term support yeah, and sure. that will appeal to a lot of people. Yeah. But again, like, like Toddy said, you know, you look at this equation of the specs and stuff they put in and you're like, there's still bits like that camera where they've put in stuff that you think, why couldn't you have taken some stuff out there and put that into the chipset or the RAM Oh yeah. so that that yeah. long-term three-year promise actually holds more water because... How many people will buy this thinking, great, I can use this for three years. You know, this is so brilliant. Yeah. But a year and a half in, they're tearing their hair out because it's just so slow that they can't, you know, they can't keep using it and they feel that they need to buy another phone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to think about. That's uh, the point. We should also, uh, before, we, too, yeah. also before we move on to, to the next, uh, to anything else, I should probably point out, there also is a new cheap pair of wireless earbuds, true wireless earbuds that Nokia launched at the, the event. lights. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the light, and they cost twenty nine ninety nine, uh, and they come Thank out in you. June, so not too bad. Uh, and the more, most interesting, I say most interesting, uh, the weirdest announcement of of the event is that uh, so the parent company HMD Global they are announcing well they've announced uh, HMD Mobile, which is a phone network launching in the UK at the end of April. Yeah. <laughs> so Did they say do you know anything about whether this is just a uk thing or is there an equivalent it's in a uk no it's it's uk only at first with the with the oh, plans wow. to roll out internationally over time depending on how it goes here um Weird. so they're, they're they're piggybacking off another carrier they haven't got their own carrier network obviously uh they're not yeah. saying who that is which is what i'm, I'm quite curious about because 
especially when it comes to 4G and 5G, the, the coverage can vary quite greatly depending on your carrier. So I feel like, especially if you're out in the sticks or something like that, you need to know which carrier that is that they're, mm. they're basing I feel on. like they might have to say that at some point, but maybe they yeah, just haven't they announced it I yet. I think they just I haven't announced like it, yeah. Selling that, you do have to kind of say... Um, there's only four it could be, but yeah, yeah, exactly. it doesn't matter which of the four it is. Uh, so it'll be 4G only at first, but they are looking into 5G and rolling it out soon. And the contract starts at 650 a month. Um, so the idea is that basically they want Nokia.com to be the one-stop shop for everything Nokia. So you go there, you buy the phone, and you can also now get your SIM card for the phone, and that comes all connected. And then you can also get things like insurance directly from Nokia as well. So they basically yep. want it to be like, well, come when you want a phone, come here. Um it's- it's an interesting yeah. pitch. It kind of takes the space of like, you know, we in the UK, we have a store called Cough and Warehouse and, you know, other countries have the same thing, which is where you go and you can get your handset, you can get it on, you know, a contract, you can get the whole thing set up in one go, but you get all this choice. But yeah, having an actual manufacturer weighed in and offer the same thing. Um, it's interesting. It's not something I'd really considered before. And I'm kind of surprised of all companies, it's Nokia <laughs> doing it first. <laughs> So in a way, I suppose it makes sense because the other side of Nokia is they do a lot of networking stuff and I don't know how how close the links are between the bits of the business and um, I know there's there's, a distinction between Nokia, the brand run by HMD and Mm -hmm. Nokia, Nokia, the networking company and they are separate companies and I don't know how HMD fits in entirely from that back-end perspective but there are at least some links there that I guess maybe they're leveraging. I remember going to the the reps at the Nokia booth at I think it was NWC uh, maybe the first year or second year that HMD had taken over the phone yeah. side of things. And I asked for someone who works on the phone booth. They didn't even know that they had a subsection of their booth that was dedicated to <laughs> phones, feature phones and smartphones. <laughs> so they were like calling people and they were like, we don't know who you're trying to get hold of. And then I just realized I could just see it over in the corner oh, kind of tucked side, away. Yeah, the other bit. So yeah, I think it is, or at least was pretty separate from the rest of the Nokia yeah. business <laughs> when HMD first took over the reins mm. of, the, of the phone side of things. Who knows if that's improved? Um, yeah, it's a hopefully. weird one, but yeah, interesting. Uh, it does feel like something. You can only imagine other brands are looking at this with interest. Oh yeah. Um, mm. I mean, how much would Apple love to be able to sell you its own contract mm. um, and SIM and everything like that, so that you buy everything through Apple? That would be their dream. Um, okay, I think that that about does on that. Well, let's yeah. uh, turn to LG for our final segment. Um, so this is news. I don't think it came to us as a surprise to anyone, but LG's done with phones. We've known this for so long, and there have been leaks along the way, and it's been almost confirmed a few times, but this week, finally, LG itself actually put out a statement and said they are shuttering their phone business after decades of making phones, actually. Um, at one point, they were the third biggest phone manufacturer in the world. Um, they <laughs> fell to white. <laughs> A lot less than that. I believe their market share last year was about 2% globally. Um, and they were a long way from the number three spot. So we knew this was coming. Um, uh, the big sadness, I guess, in the immediate you know, future is it means the LG rollable is presumably dead in the water. Uh, we will likely never see that uh, in its finished form. And you can be sure that prototypes are going to start surfacing at some point, and there's going to be huge interest oh, in yeah. the, sort of the only prototypes that make oh. it out of LG headquarters and stuff like that. Um, I'm very curious to see if some other brand maybe manages to like license that in some way and, and push that out, take advantage of the R&D that's been done, but probably not. <clears throat> um, but anyway, I thought it'd be nice to run through some of what LG did accomplish over its time in the industry, because... Yes, they were like the number three in the world at one point, but also they, you know, 
introduced a lot of the stuff that we now take completely for granted in smartphones. And they were a huge innovator in the space that over the last five years, at least, has they've not been rewarded for apps and, and maybe not gotten the dues that they deserve. Um, but it goes all the way back. Um, I'm going to stick to the smartphone era. But if you go back to 2006, they actually introduced the first uh, full touchscreen capacitive phone. Uh, the this LG the chocolate. This is the Prada. Oh, the Prada. Yes. Oh, I, I had the Prada, that, which was December 2006. <laughs> Stylish. Um, mm. It beat the iPhone. The iPhone got announced a month later, um, but it just beat the iPhone to announcement. <laughs> it was monochrome. So you can see why the iPhone drew a bit more attention when it <laughs> launched. Um, but it was a monochrome touchscreen device. Uh, uh, and it, it, I was looking and actually, apparently, I've, Apple's never really sales figures for the first iPhone, so no one's sure. But the product sold quite well. And so there is good reason to believe it actually outsold the first iPhone. Wow. Um, which obviously that, that the fortunes reversed over time. I'm, I'm throwing a picture of it on screen for everybody who's watching the stream to see uh, just, just oh, what that shoot. looks like. Yes, yeah. I remember this phone. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, I, I'd completely forgotten this. I'll be honest. I, the funny thing is, I actually, I, I've never owned an LG phone, I don't think. So I have very, um, or not, not a proper LG branded phone. I owned one of the Nexuses. So we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so they introduced the first proper touchscreen. Uh, a year later, 2007, uh, the LG Beauty, uh, also a touchscreen, <laughs> was the first smartphone to have slow motion video. Dang. Wow. Okay. Uh, nice. So it could record, uh, I think it was uh, yeah. 320p video at 120 frames per second. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. yeah it looks um, like a digital I camera, was... doesn't it? <laughs> hmm? It looks like a digital camera. I can... I, yeah, it, it's, or again, like you sort of look at these phones and they're very funny looking devices <laughs> from, from a modern eye. Uh, but yeah, I remember I, lusting after the Prada, man. That design really, I really liked. The Prada was a spicy, you know, yeah. Black and silver cube, a cuboid. It was nice. <laughs> I have no memory of that phone. Like <laughs> the Prada and the Beauty, I'm really? gonna use, I, they, they don't don't register for me at all. I have no idea. Um, I mean, I didn't really follow tech at that age, but still, yeah, the absolutely no sense memory. Um, I'm quite surprised there was slow mo video in 2007. I think if you put me on the spot and told me to guess, I would have said like 2012. Oh yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. like that was when that first got introduced. Um, that blew my mind a bit. Um, the next big thing was then a few years later, but 2012, uh, the Nexus 4, which LG built for Google, so it wasn't branded as an LG phone, but still, yeah. the LG Nexus 4 was the first Android phone with Qi wireless charging. Wow. Again, way back in 2012, I was I couldn't quite believe we'd had wireless charging for that long, but apparently we did. Um, not the first phone with Qi wireless. There was a Lumia that beat them to it by a few months. But that was one of the uh, Windows phone Lumias. So, you know, they had their own problems. Bless them. <laughs> yeah, I think I used that Nexus. That was pretty good. I, bad. I didn't have the 4, but I had the Nexus 5, which was also an LG phone. I mean, and the 5, is that the one with the white back? Yes. Yeah, I think Black so. front and white back. That, I love that I didn't thing. have the white one, but I think they had a white version. Um, right. But the yeah. Nexus 5 was a beautiful phone. That was a great yeah. Nexus. Um, Such a solid phone. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Um, 2013. This is a phone I really did not know existed. Um, shows my like how much I was paying attention uh, back in 2013. 
they introduced the first flexible phone, the LG G Flex. The G Flex, yeah. yeah. It also had a, a healing plastic yes, back. Self-healing back. Oh, wow. So, so the, could, the, yeah. the was rubbish, by the way. Yeah. So the banana phone, isn't it? The bendy weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just yeah. flexes a little bit. It's not a foldable or anything like that. It just had a, a flexible POLED uh, panel, so it could just bend slightly. <laughs> But I remember, yeah, I think it was EE took me into like a room above one of their stores on Oxford Street to show it off. And they were like pressing it down on the table and being like, look, like, okay, cool. Uh, and it was massive. And you can plan it. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, just like a regular phone yeah. now. Wow. Um, and I think it was like six inches, but because it was 16 by nine, it was a big flipping phone, especially really? for that time. Yeah. yeah. Um. I actually, I didn't write this down, note this down on my list, so I can't remember which one it was, but at some point in this, they did the first 21 by 9 display phone Ooh. as well. Oh. Um, nice. They had an even more extreme asset ratio, I think. Maybe it might have been before. I think that might have been the chocolate that I was thinking of, the LG chocolate, but I think it was before they made the jump to Android. Might be mixing up mm. my timeline now. But it had like a 20, 24 by 9. It was like right. super thin. It was yeah. really weird. Uh, there was that age of really weird form factors getting thrown around. Um, 2016 was a big year for LG. Between the V20 and the G5, um, they had the first quad DAC in a phone. So that was when they started making their big mm. audio file push. That was mm -hmm. in the V20. Uh, the G5 was both the first modular phone and the first phone to feature an ultra-wide camera, which I think really? has to be the that biggest was... innovation that like, kind of wow. LG threw in that really stuck. Um we were talking just now about ultra wide cameras being thrown in when maybe they're not needed, but like every phone has an ultra wide camera now. Um, you have to go really, really cheap to not get an ultra wide. Um, but it was only, yeah, five years ago that LG was the first to put that on a device. Um, the, um, the, the modules were ambitious. Like they had a, I think they had a BNO play partnership. Mm, so you got yeah. like a speaker dock. There was a, um, you could pull out the battery, which is a bit weird. Like the way the battery pulled out, it was technically a module. Mm. Uh, what else did they have? They had a VR headset, if memory serves, which they classed as a module, but wasn't really a module because you right, just plugged okay. it into the USB-C. Um, what else did they have? A camera grip, maybe? I'm not sure. Like the Lumia 1020. It was a, yeah, it was a weird assortment. Um, I have but... more awareness of the Motorola modular phone that was a couple years mm. later. Yeah. Well, the Aura. The Moto Mod. Is that what it was? Oh, the Moto Mods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, I mean, there's a fair point um, in the comments here from, uh, I'm not sure that's ER, IAR1980. Uh, one of LG's biggest weaknesses was not actively promoting some of their excellent features, like the yeah. back, excellent manual controls on their cameras and so on. And that's it, isn't it? Because so many people, you know, they hit these amazing milestones and so many people don't even realize that LG was the first to do them yeah. or that they're there or what they mean, um, you know. And part of it, I think, was a problem of where they put their focus. The quad deck is a really funny one because it marked the point where for a few years, the biggest thing that differentiated LG phones was they were the best phones for audio files. And wow, what a niche to go after. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, fair play. It's good that it's there and that for people who really love that and, and want the best audio on their phone, but the prevalence of 20 pound headphones and people using in the box free headphones tells us that most people don't care. Mm -hmm. um, they can't tell the difference. They don't care. They're not using good enough headphones to notice the difference. They're maybe not getting good enough audio off their phone anyway because they're just streaming it or they have low-res MP3s, but, you know, as of a few years ago, like, it, it it was a weird market to push for. And then the funny thing is they have such camera chops, and like we said, the first ultra-wide and everything, 
but they never really managed to communicate that well enough to people and they never managed to really cement themselves in everyone's eyes as the best cameras around mm -hmm. or in that conversation. I think part of the problem they had there was maybe they were nailing the hardware, but they just lost step on that like computational photography side of things. And it was sort of the pixel phones coming in and changing the game for what mattered in a phone camera that took LG a bit by surprise, um, where they were figuring out all these great bits of hardware to put on the back of a phone. Uh, and then Google came along and said, oh, no, we can throw in one kind of average <laughs> phone sensor. Uh, yeah, but but do this we've it. just got enough lines of code going on here that it beats like all the hardware you've thrown in. And, and LG <laughs> yeah. just never had the answer to that. And they never adapted quick enough to keep up with it. In terms of that um, adaptation as well, like Samsung TouchWiz was generally a bad user experience on yes. the older Samsung phones. Obviously, they're at one point their biggest local rival in Korea. Um, but Tundra has got better. I mean, even before One UI, it was it was so much better by the end yeah. before it switched to One UI than it was at the start. Whereas I feel like, what, what do they call it? It was LG UX eventually, I think. But it, before that, it was like Optimus UI or something yeah, to go with their name. Yeah. And <laughs> that, I mean, it just it was ugly and it just wasn't intuitive. It was different. It was bad in a different way to like the way the Chinese manufacturers mmm. um, software felt. But it still wasn't good. It was bad in bad a different way. That's what you like to yeah. hear, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you could see they were trying to work on it. Um, it, it felt similar to if you've used NUI on, on Asus phones mm. um, Very for a long time. But even Asus have been fixing their yep. experience, even though they've been far less, you know, active in the phone space. Um, and I think that was another thing that just undermined any of the hardware work they were putting in because it was horrible. It just didn't feel nice to use. Yeah. Um, absolutely. They they never nailed the software side. Um, never mm. were never interesting on the software side either. Um, and then the the space where they started to play around with that actually is then funny enough as we got into the last year or two when they started playing around with form factors yeah. again. Um, so then this. we we this saw them so having good. to like do their own software to make all their weird form factors work because <laughs> uh, we we got the dual screen which started I think I was trying to think I think the V50 was the first one to have yeah. a dual yeah. screen accessory yeah but it didn't have it worldwide like in the US it just launched as a regular phone but other markets got it with the dual screen but then we saw it in the G8X and a few others um, so suddenly they had to come up with their own software to handle having two screen devices or like optionally two screen devices. And some apps being able to, you know, multi-screen and, and others being split down the middle. Uh, then obviously we saw the LG Wing, which was the oh. exact same thing, but from this weird swivelly T-shaped form factor. So they like created this problem for themselves all over again <laughs> with a totally radical form factor that obviously no one at Google has coded for in Android. Um, <laughs> and then we were, would have seen that once more with the rollable uh, this year if it had materialized. Uh, I think I think with the L... I remember discussing LG Wing on the show last year, and I was, I was really happy that there were more companies that the LG was yeah. one of the companies trying yeah. to push with kind of a different form factor and to try something different to the traditional foldables. And I think we might have questioned then whether it was like them having this like last hurrah of trying something completely different before they shut it, or whether it was part of <laughs> it something. Looks like yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> we've got our answer now. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it, it always looked like a bit of a Hail Mary, didn't it? Mm, like yeah. a, <laughs> they were just hoping it would take off and be a massive hit and it was like it, it wasn't so. I think I think in no. in decades to come we'll when they'll go back at like these craziest phones to ever come out, the LG will at least always have a place there <laughs> and they'll always be fondly remembered like oh. some of the features. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
That'll be a recurring mention for yeah. sure. I still, I I'm still I'm... actually sad I never used the wing. I, mm, I, I yeah, still like too. to track me one too. down and get the chance to play around with an LG wing. I, I that looked really cool. I think I talked about it when the wing was first announced, but like I did, I made a phone concept with my dad like <laughs> years, ten years prior to the wing existing. Uh, that had a similar kind of revolving screen setup, and so this was the closest thing to like realizing that concept. And so I would, yeah, I would have loved to have used it. Um, but you know, in in this episode where we're talking about Nokia as well, so much like it's funny that the, the two brands have kind of both coalesced in this episode because there was that you know before they really got into uh, well, I guess um, Windows Phone and then Android. Yes. You know, Nokia had its crazy phase, and I absolutely I have fond fond memories of just going to the phone shops and looking at all the ridiculous form factors they were playing with. Oh yeah, that actually made it to market. Like it felt like you're in their concept store. <laughs> it was crazy, and, and I loved them for that. And LG was yeah. kind of going in that direction. If they had the the funds and the resources to do it, I would love to have seen what came after the rollable. The difference was Nokia was playing around with that stuff when it was at the height of its powers. You know, Nokia was the biggest <laughs> yeah. phone company in the world, so they could churn out tens of millions of 3310s or whatever. And that gave them money to make the N-Gage. Yes. And yes. to make the like the weird ones that was like look like a, 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 a lipstick tube and folded around <laughs> itself and all this kind of stuff. A seashell. Um, and what's interesting then is you look, they, they both had weird phases around the same time. And Nokia has survived until now. Obviously, it went away and has come back because, you know, being rebought as a brand, it's a different situation. But they survived by becoming the most boring phone company in the market. And I don't mean that to be too disparaging because it's clearly working for them. They are making <laughs> boring, reliable, <laughs> cheap phones. And that's what a lot of people want. And that works for them. Uh, and yeah. LG, maybe LG, maybe there was a route to survival that involved LG becoming like Nokia and just making boring, reliable phones but that doesn't really fit the brand they want to project because they've got the rest of their tech business. And the funny thing is this announcement came and then like two days after they announced they were closing it, they they had their last quarter financials come out and they were astonishing, like absolutely phenomenal. They were making you know, money hand over fist in every other bit of the business, you know, doing really fantastic. It is just phones. There was this millstone around their neck. Uh, and so I can see why they why they felt the need to, to cut it loose. Um, there's two more things I want to quickly talk about because we're already running late. Um, one is the update promise. We spoke briefly about updates earlier, mm. but um, the we're, LG made the quite surprising announcement uh, just today or yesterday uh, that they are still promising up to three years of updates for the recent phones if you still buy them. Uh, and they claim they will still deliver one of the better phone update promises on the market, even though they no longer make phones. <laughs> uh I think we're all a touch skeptical that they're going to follow through on this. Is that I mean, they, they oh, said yeah. like premium. I don't think they said flagship, but I think they said premium, which is like ambiguous enough. Yeah. Like, does the velvet <laughs> class as premium? <laughs> or the like, where's the to, line? If that doesn't, then what does? I mean, of the, yeah, like, yeah. Recent... Or like, does the G8X because it's not yeah. the V50 and that was like the more premium phone or, you know. So, yeah, to know where that line falls. But OS updates, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting no. security yeah, updates, yeah. fine. Totally, yeah. So that's pretty good. It's commendable if, if they follow through on that. I yeah. wonder how much it is, and, and this is in itself commendable, but how much it is a question of trying to find a way for people to keep their jobs and, and being like, you know, they've got yeah. a, an Android software team and it's like, well, yeah. we can keep these people employed doing updates for, for two years and, and if, you know... Maybe that's my like rose-tinted glasses or whatever. I, I like to think <laughs> some of that might have been the thought process. Um, I don't know. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I had a similar thought is that they don't have to develop any new phones or any new software, so they can just focus on the things that they've got now and with a smaller team. Yeah. So, it's yeah. probably grand scheme relatively cheap to keep a small team of, of software people on to maintain support. And it maybe it helps, I guess the whole pitch of it is it will help them sell through the last remaining bits of stock because mm-hmm. I'm sure they've still got a load in warehouses they need to ship to retailers and, and yeah. they want to be able to say to retailers, these will still sell, you know, like... All those wings. Um, so that's I guess having a good sold. software promise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quite. I'll take a wing. <laughs> um, the final thing I want to talk about is something that actually again got raised in the comments just now by IAR nine eighty, but uh, nineteen eighty. But that is like, what happens for the market from here? Who stands to gain? Um, and and the the quick easy answer is no one. LG only had two percent market share. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but one of the interesting things that came out well, this was for me at least, I hadn't quite clocked. LG may only had. 2% market share worldwide, but they were the third biggest phone seller in the US. Um, that blows my mind. <laughs> it was Apple, Samsung, and LG. Uh, so it's sort of like, actually, suddenly this is a massive shakeup for the US market. And here in Europe, we're like, oh, well, no one bought LG phones anyway. It doesn't matter. But actually, for the US, it's huge. They were still a reasonably decent player in Latin America as well. Uh, and obviously in their native Korea, they weren't actually huge in, in Korea. I think there's a sense people maybe think, oh, Samsung and LG are the top dogs in Korea, and they were, they were further down the, the ranking than that. But still, they, they, they had a place in that market. Um, I think they basically made their figures on, on mid-range stuff and budget stuff that we mm. didn't even see in Europe from them. They didn't mm. even push those phones out over here. The Q and the K series and stuff that we heard about, but never, yeah. never got hands on. Exactly. So the, the, I mean, the obvious brands you look at there, especially with the Latin America, you'd say Motorola sweeps in and takes a lot of that space. Um, yeah. Could be good for Nokia as well. We we're already speaking about in that same space. Who's going to make the audiophiles phone? I guess Sony's kind of pushed the audio on its phones for a while. Well, that's, that's actually exactly what, what this uh, the, this comment said, is that they, they hope that Sony oh, right. can take advantage um, from pushing the 3.5mm headphone jack in their phones yeah. and their camera system. And, and that kind of audiophile nerd into a certain kind of camera nerd, where there's still a pedigree to those companies. Like the ROG Phone 5 Sony. also has a DAC as well, so top tip. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> gaming phones are often pushing yeah. audio, so to some extent, you may find a lot of audio nerds really begrudgingly carrying around giant, like, RGB lit <laughs> gaming handsets, <laughs> just because it's the only phone that gives them good, good wide audio. Sounds so good. <laughs> uh, I mean, the uh, depressing obvious news is it's probably really good news for Samsung in the US, mm-hmm. because also they do still dominate across the price range, and it will just accelerate that Samsung Apple duopoly in the States. But God, I really hope some brand can get in there and, and make headway, but I don't know who, because I can't see a Chinese brand going big in the US market anytime soon. Oh. I guess similar to Sony, actually, I'm surprised that they were never really able to leverage the ecosystem angle as well as they could have done. Yes. Samsung yeah. managed to do it. Apple's done it, but LG's never really done it. It's like we were saying, the rest of the business is doing great. Their TVs, yeah. all their computer yeah. stuff, like they're, they're fantastic. And LG Gram, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, the so laptops have been yeah. so good, beautiful. And they just never made that push of saying, "Well, you're buying an LG TV. Don't you want to think about an LG phone to go with yeah. it?" Um, and they just never made people think of it that way. I don't know how they were structured. I know historically, Sony had this funny thing where all their internal divisions were in internal competition rather than cooperation yeah, siloed yeah. weirdly yeah stupid. I, do, I don't know if lg took the same approach um or, or not that would kind of to some extent 
explain it. Uh, suggestion from the comments: the Google's link up with T-Mobile and the S would see Pixel devices move up into third place, followed by OnePlus. Um, I've got to admit, I don't know the US market as well as I'd like to. I'd be a bit surprised to see Pixel take spot number three. Hmm. I don't think they I mean, sell in massive numbers. But there's like no Chinese players over there. Yeah. Like you could kind of count Motorola as a Chinese player, I guess. Now, but I, I think if any brand was about to become number three, my my guess would be Motorola. Yeah, yeah, maybe just from sheer volume of phones they put out. OnePlus and Pixel are just on a smaller scale. They're loved and they get a lot of coverage, but I think the, the number of units shifted is is relatively relatively light. Uh, again, commenter made the point that Sony doesn't have carrier agreements, so they're not in a position in the mm. US to really leverage it. One thing LG says it is going to continue to do beyond software updates is also still invest in telecoms as a as a, like in infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So like mm. we briefly joked about 6G earlier, but they actively in their release said we're going to be doing 6G stuff. Yeah. yeah. So whatever that manifests as, it's probably not going to be stuff that consumers will directly like be able to buy and use and unless they do like a MiFi or something. But yeah. there's also rumors yeah, that they're working stuff. with Apple on their foldable display as well for when the iphone gets folded. interesting I mean, yes yeah because they're a huge display company and that that is tvs but yeah. it also is they make the displays for a lot of other phone companies yeah. um and yeah yeah the rumor is they're, they're doing apple's foldable um so yeah there's plenty of phones from other brands that feature lg display tech in them and stuff like that so lg will be absolutely fine they're doing grand but um Not we just phones. won't see them making lg branded phones which is a shame mm, and we will sad. never see the rollable which is a real shame um, which is, and in that very small niche, great news for Oppo. <laughs> it's the only other company with a, with a definite rollable device. The X twenty twenty one has got a clear path ahead. Now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great news for Oppo. They will be laughing. Uh, that is all. I think this has been an extra long episode of Fast yes. Trucks this week. So we need to shoot off. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. We will, of course, be back next week. The Xperia launch event is happening between now and then, so we will definitely be talking about the new Sony phones next week, and we'll see what else comes along. Until then, bye everyone. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.